Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm just going to do a little survey here this morning. Uh, hey, Darren, can you just close the door there for me for a second? I want everybody to turn around and look at the door as Darren closes it. I just, I'm going to do a poll here, okay? I'm just going to do a poll. Uh, so, uh, can you get that door there? We're just going to shut that. Yeah, good, we're on the other side. Now, I want everybody to turn around and look at the back doors. Now, I've been told we need to paint the maple that's in the glass gray like the rest of the room. Now, I just, ah, what? White. Oh, heavens no. Okay. Uh, so anyway, all those who think it should be left looking maple, raise your hands, please. Anybody think we should paint it white? Sorry, you lose, ladies. Okay. There's like five hands. Five hands. That's it. All right. The wood wins. And all those who love wood said, amen. Hallelujah. All right. We solved that problem right there. <laughs> It'll be the token wood in the room because the guys all get upset when we paint over wood. So that is our token way of saying we give you a little bit of say in what happens decor-wise. Yeah, exactly. We get a little bit of wood back there. That's it. So, <laughs> All right. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh, man, I'm telling you. <sighs> Praise the Lord. Well, this morning we start uh, a new series uh, that uh, I've called The Next Level. And um, I'm going to kind of take you on a little bit of a journey here this morning to start that whole thing off. And uh, it may seem like an odd way to start, but I think this is a, is a cool way to start. We're going to take a little trip down memory lane, all right? And how many like trips down memory lane? I, I like them. So we're going to take a little trip down memory lane here this morning. And, uh, and then you'll see how we end up at taking things to the next level uh, as we wind things to the end here this morning. So, Father, I just ask for your Holy Spirit to uh, capture our hearts, our imaginations uh, here this morning, to, Lord, focus us toward the potential there is, not just in the cross of Jesus Christ, but in every life as they're gathered together here this morning, great potential is in this room. Father, great potential to literally move mountains, shape culture, uh, influence uh, society in great ways. And so, Father, today I just ask that, Lord, you would speak to us, and, Father, then that you would, as we leave this place, speak through us. In Jesus' name, amen. So, Desert Stream, this congregation is 22 years old this year. Hard to believe, eh? We started in April 2nd, 1995 at the Belleville Christian School on Highway 62. How many people were with us in the high, on Highway 62 when we started the school out there? Oh, my word. Okay. So, yeah, Katrina says, I was with you then, and I'm back with you now. Hallelujah. But uh, yeah, that's where we started, and uh, we met in the school. The first Sunday we were there, we had 95 people. And you're like, what? Yeah, we did. Uh, that was because all kinds of people from Calvary Temple came to encourage us and bless us and wish us well on our first Sunday. The next Sunday, we had 40. So it was a, it was a, a real great way to start, but the hard work started the next week. We, we started uh, the next week back with 40 people, and we dug in, and we gave it everything we had. And uh, we immediately, and this is something I think that's really interesting, uh, within a few weeks of starting uh, in April, uh, just a couple weeks before Easter in 95, we also started three home groups. Remember this, Katrina? And everybody went to a home group. 
if you were in Desert Stream, you were involved in a home group. And so what that did was it helped develop relationships really quickly. And people got to know one another. And so we encourage it. We don't, we don't promote home groups because uh, there's anything in it for us. We promote home groups because of what's in it for you. We encourage you to be involved in a small group. Uh, you know, whether it's Celebrate Recovery or whether it's a group at a ho- in, in one of the, the groups that's working in the church or a young adult group. Or what, we encourage you to get plugged in. Because, you know, just coming on Sunday morning is not enough relational context for your life. Are you hearing me? We need more than that. We need, we need to be rubbing shoulders with one another and blessing one another, encouraging one another, finding other ways. I mean, I'm thankful for all the gifts that are being used that were up here this morning. But, you know, we, as we just finished talking about, we don't want our gifts just to be used here on Sunday morning. We want them to be used all throughout the body and all throughout the week, right? And so we encourage you to get plugged into a group and, and find some people you can do Christianity with. Uh, because, you know, you don't do Christianity alone. You do it with people. You know, you live out your faith in the context of other people. Even Jesus didn't just come as a savior and walk by himself. Instead, he gathered 12 disciples around him, and he lived out his life for three years with the disciples, practicing the things of the Father and giving that and imparting it to the disciples. In fact, Jesus said, everything I received, I've given to you, right? So that they could walk and talk and sound just like Jesus. And so what we need to do is find ways to walk out relationship with one another. That wasn't even my notes. That's completely free this morning. Uh, that first year, our budget was $70,000. I think we went over it by two grand. We, uh, we had uh, $72,000, I think, our first year. Uh, now the budget's uh, half a million. But it was interesting, all the things that have happened in that time. Um, you know, we, we had donated $100,000 to the city of Belleville a number of years ago. Because the youth in our city, a city the size of Belleville, was one of the few places that didn't have a skate park. And we said, you know, this isn't right. And some people had a heart to want to do that. And, and as soon as we stepped up to the plate and told the city we were going to make that commitment, then the kinsmen and other people stepped in. And the next thing you know, bang, the park was done. But it happened because we as a people said, we can, we can see this happen. We can make this happen. Amen? And, uh, and so we did that. And that was a fantastic thing. Um, one of the interesting things is I put this little map up here. And they, these are all places that we've done a fair bit of intense ministry around the world. Um, the, I don't know what colors these are, but the one that looks blue to me, <laughs> that's Desert Stream, okay? Uh, the other colors, whatever they are, doesn't really matter. But anyway, that's, that's Haiti and Nicaragua, uh, Uganda. We've got, uh, I spent a month in Japan uh, up over there. But two other places in Southeast Asia, the Philippines and in Thailand, we've invested a lot of time in those nations. And, and I remember when we went to the Philippines, we raised enough money here in this church to build an entire community. Uh, we built 20 homes, and we built a school, a church, and, and a school, I should say, which now is the church, and then they built a new school, or the other way around, I can't remember. Uh, but uh, yeah. And... And uh, there's a number of guys who are here. Rod was there with us in those, uh, at the, on those trips, and, and Ryan went with us, and a number of guys here. And, man, it was an incredible experience to watch people who've been living. And if you saw some of their homes, they lived in stuff made out of sticks and plastic and uh, foraging through the garbage because there's no recycling program uh, collection there, but they still do recycling. So they'd forage through the garbage all day to gather enough recycling to sell it to a guy who would come by and pay them so much a pound and that would be enough for them to buy rice to eat for the day. And that's how these families were existing, living in the dump. And their homes were, were literally just made out of garbage, stuff people had discarded. And we were able to go in, and, and we didn't get 20 homes built. We built how many rod? I think, what were there, 8 or 10 or something like that? We got built over there. 
uh, but we left them the money, and they did the rest of them after that. Uh, and then we were able to get the, the, the church built, or the school, I guess it was at first, right? Now it's the church. Uh, then they built proper latrines so that their sewage was being dealt with properly. Uh, Bayside Elementary School up here partnered with us, and we sent the next year over two uh, stainless steel water tanks. And then when they pipe water from uh, uh, a stream that's fresh water, running water, right down into the village, running hoses like pipes through the trees right to these tanks. And now all the people have to do is go over and open the valve, and there's, there's fresh drinking water, potable water right there in their community, literally changing the lives of hundreds of people. And these kinds of projects are the things that, that you know, we can do when we work what? Together. Like we heard last night, right? We've got to work together. And so this is just some cool stuff. I've been back there many times uh, since then and, and watched where the, uh, you know, um, now we've got the Baileys on the island of Small that we're working with is there. Now they're in the island of Small, which is just off the coast of Davao City, building an orphanage there. We've had teams go there and work on their, their buildings there. And it's just an incredible thing to see what God is doing. Uh, we've hosted many conferences here over the years. We've been privileged to have in, in, in our house at Desert Stream an array of speakers from Heidi Baker coming this uh, coming weekend. Uh, is there anybody excited in the house about that? <laughs> we're, we're taking a risk. We're letting, we're letting Katrina pick her up at the airport. We're hoping she's not going to act like stalker chick. But uh, we're, we're letting her go and <laughs> pick her up at the airport. Could be risky, but... Uh, uh, we're excited about that. Uh, we've also had people like John Alley from Australia here. We've had Tony Fitzgerald from New Zealand, who now lives in Virginia. We're going to try and get Tony back next year and, and do a, a conference here. It's going to be fantastic. Um, we've uh, had our beloved Ken Gill here many times, and we've had a host of other speakers that have just been phenomenal that we have experienced here at Desert Stream. We, uh, we ran Alpha. Are you ready for this? Over 30 consecutive courses, three times a year. Did you know that? Come on. And, uh, you know, uh, and we saw a number of people come to Jesus Christ, and now we run Celebrate Recovery, and we're seeing people get, get uh, freed up from their hurts, their habits, their hang-ups, and walking in liberty with Jesus, and it's an exciting thing to see that happen. Um, we've been blessed uh, with great people here that we've, we've had to release and let them go, but they're, they've been great people, they're part of our life, and now they're doing ministry in other places, Sid and Cheryl, uh, Steve and Cheryl Heathcock, who are... Uh, now pastoring in Kingston uh, in their, their own congregation. Todd and Tammy, who we raise them up, now they're pastoring their own congregation, also out in, uh, in Alberta. And it's just exciting to see God working in people's lives, and, and we need to understand that that's good stuff. And I could stand here today and talk about all kinds of uh, provision miraculously by God. Uh, many people that are maybe new here don't know that when we rented this facility for four and a half years before we purchased it, and two-thirds of the rent was paid for us, through a donation for those four and a half years. And uh, then when we purchased, almost half of the purchase price was also donated to the church to enable us to purchase it. Uh, this is, you know, incredible supernatural provision by the Lord. We've been blessed with amazing things that have enabled us to, to be able to do things beyond even the number and the size of our congregation. We've witnessed uh, miracles and healings and financial breakthroughs in people's lives, healed relationships and all kinds of other stuff. However, if we're honest, we've also experienced some heartache and loss. Anybody experienced any heartache or loss in the last 21 years, 22 years? Sure. You know, we've lost loved ones who passed into eternity, and there isn't a day goes by that you don't think about them. Uh, you know, and we experience an ache in our heart for them. We've watched some marriages not make it. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, 
how many know it, it, takes, it takes hard work to make a marriage work? And sometimes the will and the desire to make it work isn't there. Sometimes uh, one or both partners throw in the towel, and, uh, or there's been so, something that's been done that's caused so much pain that it's, it's not reversible, and we're there to bring comfort and to help and to strengthen, but, but it's tough to watch those things happen. And we've also watched helplessly if some have said no to the journey in Jesus Christ and walked away from their faith. It breaks my heart when people do that. But through it all, I have to say, the victories far, far outweigh the losses. And the joy surpasses the aching that's in our hearts. Amen? And uh, we have seen God do so many things. And for every loss, God has demonstrated himself faithful. And even when we haven't seen the manifestation of God's glory and purpose yet, God remains faithful. God remains faithful. That's why the Bible says in any situation, any kind of loss we experience, the Bible says we do not mourn as those who have no hope. It doesn't say we don't mourn. Of course we mourn. We're not denying our heart or our feelings. It's just saying our mourning is different. Our mourning is different because we have a hope in Jesus Christ that even out of the most tragic circumstance, God can find a way to extract joy. God can find a way to pull something out of that experience to bring joy to our heart and to sustain us through that difficulty so that we can come out the other side of it shining like the stars that he has made us to be. Amen? That's why we don't mourn as those who have no hope. We have a hope in Jesus that has profoundly impacted our lives. And so it's, it's almost impossible when you get a hold of that to walk around and be depressed all the time. And don't get me wrong. Depression comes and the enemy loves to overtake us with depression. He loves to overtake us with focusing on our pain rather than focusing on his pain and his victory. But if we'll take a hold of it, Jesus has got more than enough for us to come through. And he's willing to walk through us through every difficulty, every pain, every struggle, and let us know, even when we're experiencing it, I'm here, I've not left you, I'm going to go through this with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm not going to leave you alone. So, we have to understand that the author and finisher of our faith, Jesus Christ, it says in the Bible, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What was the joy that Jesus was set before Jesus that compelled him to the cross? I mean, he wasn't masochistic. I mean, if, if we say he just liked pain and suffering, that makes a pretty twisted story, doesn't it? Our Savior is a masochist. No, obviously that's not it. So what was the joy that caused Jesus to willfully go to the cross? It was his bride. It was seeing us living in the victory that he was purchasing for us. It was seeing what he was about to do and what it would accomplish in humanity throughout history. The joy that was set before Jesus was the joy of us being able to walk in victory because he walked in pain. Because he suffered, we get to experience, we get to experience life. His death purchased our life. Does everybody understand that this morning? That's what Jesus was able to do for us. And when we get a hold of that, when we understand that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice so that we might live life, and that life is what the, the hymn writer said, more abundantly. That we might live more abundantly. It's God's plan for us to live a victorious lives. 
That doesn't mean we don't have suffering and sorrow. But we're able to rise above them all. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers them out of the hand of every one of them. We're able to rise above sickness. We're able to rise above heartache. We're able to rise above loss. Why? Because Jesus has done something in us, given us a joy, changed the internal working of our spirit so that we're able to walk through every situation knowing that Jesus is bigger than my problem. And that in the end, in the end, I win, right? We were sitting at breakfast the other morning, and uh, Wayne was share, sharing, and then Sheldon gave a little summary comment. He said, the reality is, he said, there's only two things that's happening in our life all the time. He said, we're either winning or we're learning, right? We're either winning or we're learning. Uh, so when you have a situation and you look at it, you say, I'm certainly not winning in this one, but boy, am I ever learning, right? And those are the two postures that we take. I'm winning or I'm learning. And I can tell you that there's a lot of areas I'm still learning. But as I learn, I realize there's an amazing number of places where I'm always winning too. And I want to be somebody who's doing both at the same time. Winning and learning. Winning and learning. Winning and learning. That is the posture that I take in life. Jesus died so that we might have that abundant life. And throughout scripture, we experience it in the words of Jesus and in Paul and of all the other apostles, a call to a life uh, that is moving from, as the Bible says, strength to strength and from glory to glory. And it's a life of purpose, it's a life of victory, it's a life of joy. And sometimes we need to be reminded in our darkest hour of the words of the Lord, as I mentioned already, that there are many afflictions, but God delivers us out of every one of them. Saturday morning at, Wayne, at men's breakfast, Wayne Levy did a masterful job speaking about the joys and, about joy, I should say, trials and temptations. And uh, uh, I won't tell his story because it's his to tell, and if you want to ask him about it afterwards, you can. Uh, but I will say that his conclusion, Wayne, your conclusion was masterful theology. I just, I just want to say that. It was, a, it was a masterpiece of theology. And so if you want to hear about the masterpiece of theology, just listen to what I'm about to tell you this morning. Again, Wayne shared with the men, and I'm not going to share his story or the details, but he, tr- he shared about the trials that he has experienced over the last year about the trials that he's experienced over the last year, and how his male nature, his male nature, does anybody know what I'm talking about with a male nature? He said his male nature was to tell himself, you can do this, it's no big deal, right? Wayne, you got this, you can handle this, it's no big deal. However, trial after trial wore him down, and uh, then he found himself being tempted to escape his trials in the ways that he used to before he came to Christ. And so... Then illustrating the difference between a trial and a temptation, he was able to show how the trial, God allows the trial, but the temptation is what the devil does to come along and try to pull us out of the game as we try to cope with the trial without going to Jesus, but doing it in the natural. And then uh, he said that, but instead of doing that, he turned to Jesus and he called upon God and he got rid of some of that male bravado where we're just hanging on by our hands saying, I don't need any help, I'm okay, but you know, uh, and laid that aside and went to Jesus and turned himself over to the Lord, and then what God was able to do, and here's the, the masterful theology in this this morning, and hear this this morning, God was able to show him a different perspective, one where he was able to see purpose in the pain, that he, where he was able to see God's financial provision in financial challenges. So he'd had things happen that, that, he, you know, that he hadn't planned for, that, he, that were economically difficult, 
but at the same time, he was able now to see how because of, of living a life of faithfulness to God and God's faithfulness to them and practicing good financial principles, that even though those things happened, he had the money to be able to deal with it. He had the resources to be able to, to tackle that difficulty. He was uh, able to see God's grace and mercy in providing that oil of joy for mourning and a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. That's what Christ is able to do for us. He gives us the ability to see how he's working in a most difficult situation. Now, I know this whole introduction is pretty introspective. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a series on taking it to the next level and you're going, you know, uh, it's not quite what I expected it to be like this morning. Um, but, you know, I just wanted you to know it's not going to be nine, nine weeks or however long we go uh, of pep rallies, you know. Um, I don't want us to think we're at an Amway convention and I'm the guy that's going to get you to sell more. You know, that's, uh, that's not what this is about. It's a little deeper than that. And, uh, and, and if you're working for Amway and you're offended, then just put any other multi-level marketing company in there. It doesn't matter. And, and then laugh along with the joke. But um, the point that I'm getting at, that this is more important than than uh, selling a product, no matter what that product is. This is about the kingdom of God. And uh, this is about us understanding what it is to walk in Christ to a place where God takes us to another level of function and operation in Him. So what is this going to be like? Well, this is going to be an opportunity for self-examination. This is going to be an opportunity for self-evaluation and self-correction. It's going to be carried out with a hundred or more brothers and sisters simultaneously, all doing it at the same time, under the guidance and direction of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. So this is you working out and examining your own life while everybody else is doing the same thing and asking questions of yourself. How can I, in Christ, take my walk and my journey with Him to another level where God is able to do deeper things in and through my life? So this is about all of us, from staff to elders, deacons, teachers, volunteers of every kind who were up here this morning, uh, here in the safe place, and then out there in the marketplace and in the high place, taking our work, our devotion, our passion, our commitments, our entire life to the next level in Him. And God wants us to do that. And so uh, where we're going to start this morning, that's my introduction, and then i got a simple short point for us this morning is the first place and the first thing we have to take to the next level in Christ in our journey with Him is very simple. It is our love. We have to take our love to the next level. And uh, this is a challenging one because if you're like me, it's, uh, it's not easy to love everybody. Now Mark, Mark can love everybody. I was talking to somebody about Mark the other day and, and God gave me inspiration. By, I think this was right from Holy Spirit. And I said, this is, this is Mark's life. I said, Mark is so sweet that uh, he, he even gives sugar a toothache. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I said, you, it's hard, hard to imagine, but it's true. Uh, that, 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 that's Mark. And uh, that's one of the reasons why we're attracted to having Mark and Katrina back here. No offense, Katrina, because we wanted you back here too. But, but we knew just what Mark was like. And, uh, and uh, you know, I said, you know, if we want somebody who's got the heart of a pastor, the, the shepherd's heart of Jesus, then you aren't going to find anybody who contains it any better than Mark. Now, we still need to teach him how to use a calendar and how to, you know, actually record things that he's supposed to do and, and, and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? We, we hired him to be a, a demonstrator of love, not a guy who's going to carry around his day planner and do tasks all the time. We'll help bring that up, but we want to bring that up without bringing the other down. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
And was I? Exactly. That's, that's what we're here for. Uh, Mark, and, Mark and myself, we're helping with that part, and then he's going to, you know, help us with the love part. And so, uh, but, but honestly, if, if we, if we want to take our entire Christian experience to the next level, this is where we have to start. This is where we have to start. We have to start with our love. And uh, we got to take love to the next level. And it's easy in our culture and our society to be unloving. It's really easy. It doesn't take any work or effort at all. You can be unloving without even thinking about it. But to actually walk in love, that is hard. So I want you to turn it in your, in, uh, your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 15. And uh, first thing we're going to look at is, if we're going to take love to the next level, then we have to uh, look at a scripture that talks about the commandment to the fruit, all right? And uh, this is in John chapter 15. We're going to talk about going from commandment to fruit, all right? And if you don't have your Bibles with you, I'll put, I've got it up on the screen. It might be a little hard to see, so that's why I tell you to, you know, you should bring your Bible to church, whether it's digital or paper. Uh, have a Bible with you at church. You know, I know it seems strange. Would we actually use the Bible at church? You better believe it. So uh, this is what Jesus said. He said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I've made known to you. You did not choose me. But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask my name. This is my command. Love each other. Love each other. That's a great passage of Scripture, isn't it? This is part of Jesus' great discourse with the disciples regarding the foundation in the kingdom of God of love. And this is happening just before his crucifixion and his resurrection. And he wanted to drive home once again the place of love in everything, in everything that the disciples were about and that you and I are about as believers in Jesus Christ, both in our nature and in what we do. You've probably heard these words before. You've probably read this passage of Scripture before. It contains a few really good zingers. Uh, verse 11, I told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So why has Jesus told us to love? Why does he tell us to love one another? It's so that uh, his joy may be in us and that our joy can be complete. How many want to be complete? Well, then, then the only way to get there is to walk and demonstrate love. That's where completeness and uh, the joy of the Lord comes from, is walking in love. Uh, verse 13, he says, Greater love is no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. I mean, I don't know how many times I've quoted that passage to people before. That is a profound statement. You know, how do you know Jesus loves me? Because he laid his life down for you. And there's no greater love than to lay your life down for somebody else. You guys know that if someone came after one of your children, that you'd, you'd put yourself between that person and your child without even thinking about it. Why? Because you love them. And there's absolutely nothing that you wouldn't do to protect that child. Well, that's the kind of love that God has for us. 
He took his son Jesus and put his son Jesus between his natural wrath against sin and us. Jesus got right in the middle, got right in the way of it, and took the punishment for us. That's the love of God. Every one of us, the Bible says, deserve death, but Jesus took it upon himself so that we could have life. Do you get that this morning? And so no greater love have we got than that which was demonstrated in Jesus, that he took the greatest death so that we could experience great life. That's what Jesus did. Verse 15, I love this one too. I have called you friends for everything I learned from my father I've made known to you. You know, you, you're, yeah, you're, our class in Bible college was douloi. It's a Greek word. It means servants. And we were servants in Bible college. But, you know, as I've pastored, I've learned that there's deeper revelation than that. You know, I want to be a servant of God, sure. But I think it's interesting that Jesus says, you're no longer servants, but you are friends. And how do I know I'm a friend? Because everything that father revealed to Jesus, he's revealing to me. Wow. How do we know that we're friends of God? Because he is giving us revelation through his word, through uh, this Holy Spirit. He's continually demonstrating himself to his people. We have the great revelation of the word of God, but we have a God who also bears witness, the Bible says, with our spirit every day that we're children of God. And you have to understand that, that this is an amazing demonstration to us of God's incredible affection for us and the fact that he calls us friends, not just servants. We are friends of God. I love that song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. He calls me friend. One of my favorite songs. I, I get singing that thing along with uh, Israel Houghton, and I'm just like, you don't want to see me dance. It's probably not good. But I uh, love that song. And, uh, you know, there's revelation in that song that I am a friend of God. But the verse that I think we want to focus on here the most out of that passage this morning is verse 16. And it has some, he says, you didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. So there's three things I want us to see in this statement that are really important. First of all, you or I did not choose Christ, it says. Oh, I remember when I chose Christ or when I gave my life to Christ. You know, I understand that. I'm not saying, uh, I'm not trying to, to get into a debate about free will here versus God's sovereignty, but I th- simply want you to understand something. That before you made any move toward Jesus, he made one toward you. Do you understand me this morning? You can debate the theology all night long. I don't really care. I think that we all have to acknowledge, whether you're Armenian or Calvinist, you've got to acknowledge that before you made any move toward Christ, he had moved toward you. He had called you. He had reached out to you. He had taken his life and put it in the place uh, substitutionary for you so that you could be loved. Do you understand that this morning? Jesus went first. You know, Ken Gill's always telling us, if you want to lead, then you got to be willing to go first, not be first. Right? Well, Jesus was willing to go first. He went first. The Bible says he's the firstborn of all creation. He was the first to experience that death and, and then in resurrection demonstrate for us the kind of life that is promised every one of us. He is the, the first. He was willing to go first. And he did it for you and I. So um, we even sing hymns like, I have decided to follow Jesus that are all, you know, a little bit misleading. Yes, you, at, very, at the very most what you did was you re- decided to respond to the fact that Jesus loved you. Does that make sense? Now, I probably wouldn't sing quite as well. You know, <laughs> I have decided to respond to you loving me, Jesus. You know, that probably doesn't sing quite as well, but uh, you get the point here this morning. Second thing you have to understand is that I didn't choose him, but he did choose me. He chose me. And uh, like I said, at best, we accepted his choice. I'm, 
you know, he chose me, and the Bible says that he chose me and he appointed me. He chose me and appointed me. So sometimes we get this idea, well, God just chooses everybody. And, and, and God loves everybody. True. But he has specific strategies in mind for each and every one of us. That it's not a willy-nilly choice. You know, it's not just something that's, a, oh, I just love them all just like, you know, like, you know, you love your grandchildren. It's, it's, it's more strategic than that. God, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, loving your grandchildren is an awesome thing. And praise the Lord, my cup's running over. And just keep it up, kids. Just keep it up. Yeah, another one coming. Hallelujah. Uh, can't be more excited than I am about that. But here's the point that I'm trying to make is that I may love my grandchildren, and I may even have wishes and desires for them, but God has plans. Do you see the difference? Um, if I try to create plans for my grandchildren, I'm probably going to end up being a little bit manipulative and wanting it to make it look a little, lot like, a little or a lot like me. But God's plans are uniquely crafted for everyone and, and, and actually individually designed for the specific spiritual DNA of that individual. You get that? That he uniquely calls and appoints us. And the result of that is the third point that I think is in that passage. And he's done this. He's called us and he appointed us, what? To bear fruit. What kind of fruit? What kind of fruit? Fruit that will last or fruit that will remain. Fruit that will last. What, is, what does that mean? I think it means eternal fruit. He's looking for us to produce fruit that will last forever. Eternal fruit is what God's looking for. Something that will last forever. Jesus said everything he'd learned from the Father, he had made known to the disciples. Why? Because he knew they needed that revelation to produce the fruit that God had called them to produce. Jesus has given us the word. He has given us, uh, you know, a relationship with one another. He has given us the, the, the body of Christ. He's given us the gifts of the Spirit. He's given us all of these things so that we might what? Produce fruit. Not so we'd sit on the bench and watch. Last week I was talking at the baptismal service about how, you know, becoming a Christian, being baptized and making a declaration of your faith is about joining the team, Team Christian. And the unique thing about being part of Team Christian is that on, in Team Christian, nobody's on the bench. Everybody is on the field. Everybody is in the game. Do you understand what I'm saying? There, there, there's, there's no place in Christianity for us to, you know, absolve ourselves from the responsibility. The responsibility falls on every one of us. God has plan and purpose for every one of us, and He wants us off of the bench and into the game. Or, if you prefer a military, uh, you know, expression, he wants us out of the camp and out into the field, or up into the air, or on the battleship. He wants everybody engaged in the conflict. And don't get me wrong, I mean, miss the point, there is a conflict. There is a spiritual conflict going on, and God has called every one of us to engage in the conflict. And you might say, well, yeah, but you don't know, I'm, look at me, man, I mean, I've, my best years are behind me. You know, our years of being able to do certain things may be behind us. But I always like to think my best years are still ahead. You know, I might be 54, but I'm still pressing on for Jesus. 
And, you know, and the nature of my ministry and the nature of things I do may change, but the amount of effectiveness that I have doesn't have to change. And sometimes as a culture, we're so quick to take people as they get older and put them out to pasture. And yet in Hebrew culture, they took, took their elders and they sat them by the city gate so that when you were going in and out of the city every day doing your business, you could stop and get wisdom coming in and going out all day long. Right? Just kind of like Wayne does. Every Saturday morning when we have breakfast, we just sit down and, and Wayne just dispenses wisdom. And, uh, you know, I like to walk by Joe Cox and just see what he's got for me today. I go see Glenn. I used to go see Glenn almost every week at his house and now in, in the home because Glenn had so much wisdom to give me. I, I mean, I realized that at the stage he was in in life, he wasn't going to come over and help shingle my roof. I didn't need him to do that. But what I needed him to do was give me wisdom that he's gleaned from his 90-some years of journeying, that he can help me maybe circumnavigate some obstacles and pains and struggles and get there a little quicker. Isn't that what you want for your kids? And so we need to take that wisdom, and we need to draw and extract from that wisdom so that we can have an even more effective journey than our forefathers had. That's why the church shouldn't be getting weaker. It should be getting stronger every generation. Because we have the benefit of all of that experience and hindsight, plus we have the, the increased number of people on the earth, and where there's an increased number of people believing Jesus Christ on earth, there's an increased uh, presence of His Holy Spirit and His glory on the earth, and we just keep growing and growing until His glory covers the whole earth. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, all right, I'm pretty much uh, done here. And everybody know that means absolutely nothing. So... Our commandment is to love one another, but his expectation is that we bear fruit, right? You get that this morning? Our commandment hidden in that passage is that we love one another, but his expectation is that we bear fruit, right? Now, don't get all nerved up about that, you know, God's not, you know, going to get up to heaven and say, you know, Lauren, did you win as many people to Christ as Billy Graham? He's not going to do that because he didn't call Lauren to do Billy Graham's job. Right? But he is going to say, Lauren, did you, were you faithful to everything I gave you? That's the question we're all going to be asked. Did you do the things I asked you to do? And if we did, then great. If we didn't, well, then we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and reevaluate some things, right? And I think that is what Christ is saying to every one of us. So the eternal fruit is then a byproduct of love. If you read that passage and you understand what he's saying, as we move from the commandment to the fruit, we follow the commandment. The byproduct is that we're going to have fruit. And uh, what does that fruit look like? Well, you know, if souls are not being saved, if lives are not being transformed, if marriages are not being restored, and if addictions are not being broken, if sorrow is not being assuaged, then we have to say to ourselves uh, and, and understand that there's a deficiency or a, uh, of love. If there is a general lack of that kind of fruit, then we have a deficiency of love. It's as simple as that. No, it's an attack of Satan, Pastor. Well, Satan's always attacking. Satan never goes on a holiday. He always wants to keep us off our mission. So there's, you know, there's nothing special to say today, oh, he attacked me today, but he didn't attack me yesterday. No, 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 no. He's always looking for an opportunity to trip you up, okay? The reality is, is if, if we're seeing a general lack of fruit, then there's a deficiency of love. And we've got to raise the love quotient. That may impact, it may, may be experienced an impact in many different areas in our life, but at the bottom line of it, it's love. The truth is, as I kind of alluded to earlier, 
Sin comes naturally to fallen man, but love requires the imprint of God. It's easy to sin. Has anybody ever here ever had a hard time sinning? I know I haven't. I mean, it's, it's easy. I mean, it takes no real effort at all. I can just roll out of bed and it could just, you know, I could just have, you know, lazy thoughts, sin. You know, I could have angry thoughts, sin. I could be driving to the church and somebody cuts me out, sin. I mean, it just, it, just, it just comes so easy. I don't even have to work at it. But love, love requires that imprint of the divine nature in our life. And you say, well, no, it doesn't. No, come on. Think about what the scriptures say. We love him, what? Right. So the only way we're able to love him is because what happened first? There was the imprint of his love deposited into us. And then we were able to love him. So love requires the imprint of God. Sin, that's easy. But love requires the imprint of God. And so what we have to do is ask God for a greater level of his love in our life so that we can bear more fruit. We can bear more fruit. So how do we make or take our love to the next level? How do we take love to the next level? You just write these three things down. They're real simple, and then we're done. First of all, here's what you got to do. you got to die to self. Become crucified with Christ and then made alive in his love. Last week we had a baptism. One of the things that baptism is about is symbolizing this process in my life. As we go underneath the water, the Bible talks about the dead, the first nature, the old man, the, the, the carnal nature being buried with him, and we rise to new life in him. We realize the baptism doesn't do that to us. Jesus does that to us. But the baptism symbolizes what Jesus is doing in our lives. Does everybody understand that? And so what we need to do is, Paul even said, you need to daily do this. You need to daily die to self. You need to daily take up your cross. You need to daily experience, uh, you know, uh, this process of dying to self, where Jesus is given the authority in our life, and we are, are dying to our own natural desires. But that leads me to the second point, which is you die to self, but then you got to deny yourself. So you got to start saying no to yourself and yes to others. Do you understand what I mean? Like, uh, well, you know, I'd like to just stay in tonight and watch TV all night, but maybe so-and-so needs you to visit them or call them. Or I'd like to just... You know, I just like to hang out by myself today because I've had enough of people, all right? You know, I don't want to really spend time with the kids tonight. I need some garage time. Or, do you know what I mean? What it means is it requires us to say no to ourself so that we can say yes to others. So we need to die to self, experience Christ's salvation, dealing with the old man, but then we need to daily deny ourselves so that we can say yes to other people. And then finally, we need to then give of ourselves. We need to be willing to sacrificially give ourselves to other people. And this is a difficult thing to do. And that's why I put the word sacrificially in there, because sometimes it's a sacrifice. Sometimes it requires uh, uncomfortable adjustments to our life and our schedule. It requires us to do stuff we don't want to do. Is any, am I talking to anybody here making any sense to you? And if, and if we're going to really allow the love quotient to rise in our life, if we're going to take our love to the next level, then we have to have experienced Christ. We've got to have died to self. Then we've got to deny ourselves. And then we have to give of ourselves to others. We've got to die, deny, and give. Everybody say that. Die, deny, and give. That's what we have to do. And if we'll do that, we can take love to the next level. 
We can take love to the next level. Stand with me this morning. I don't know about you, but I've realized something. I can't do this on my own. Um, you know, without Jesus, I'm probably not a very nice guy. Sure, I'd still be fun. But because God gave me a, a great sense of humor and a desire to have fun. So, and, uh, so that probably wouldn't change. But it would be so much more self-serving. It would be so much more entrenched in what's, what's in it for me if it wasn't for Jesus. Jesus came along and, and started to change that nature. And, and daily I'm having to say, God, help me to deny myself so that you, know, you can shine through me in even greater measure. I don't know if I'll ever be so sweet like Mark that I give sugar a toothache, but I know that my love quotient can go up. Do you understand what I mean? And just because Mark's sweet doesn't mean his love quotient doesn't need to go up, right? I'm sure Katrina could tell us that there are days when he's not as loving as we all think he is. She can probably say, there's, there's probably the odd time Mark's been in a bad mood. It's happened. And, and he, he, he hasn't been uh, as, as incredibly wonderful and gracious as, as we observe every day. I mean, uh, my wife can tell you that that's probably true of me, although... <laughs> She loves me so much, she may lie. And she may say, no, Kevin is perfect. No, she's not going to lie. She's going to tell you the truth. <laughs> you know, but we need God to help us to do this. And that's why none of this is possible without God. The Bible said very plainly, he loved me, so now I can love him and in turn love others. Because he's loved me first, right? If he had not loved me first, I would not be capable of doing what he's calling me to do. But because he's loved me, I can go to another level in him. And we'll talk more about that in the weeks to come. But this week, as we prepare for uh, a life-transforming event, Heidi and Rick Pino and John Perks and the Campbells being here with us, um, and, and, and we prepare for that time together, uh, we need to be prepared for God to do something supernatural in us. Because one of the things Heidi's going to do, she's going to challenge you to take your love to another level. You think you love now. You're going to come out of here and say, I never knew how to love at all. I have been opened up to a new level of love that I just have never even thought existed. And, and you know, we need to be prepared for God to change our hearts and to take us deeper in Him. So, Father, today we're asking you, Lord, to help us. The, this surgery that you want to do to take us to the next level may be painful. It may be hard. It may be something that I'm not even fully uh, capable of understanding what it will be like at this point and juncture in the journey. But I'm asking you, God, uh, to make me willing, to give me a heart that says, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I'm willing, I'm willing to step in and allow that process to begin so that you can, Lord, work through me, love through me, and produce much fruit. Lord, I pray today that you would help us as a congregation. We need your help, Lord. And Father, we want to be able to respond to our world with the love of Christ in a, in a deeper way than we've ever done it before. And Father, we'll need your help to do that and to do it in a healthy way, to do it in a whole way, but to do it, Lord, with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. So Father, we're asking for your grace to be with us, for your Holy Spirit to guide us, and Father, for you to give us strength. In Jesus' name, amen. Now before you're dismissed, one last thing that I forgot. Tonight is our business meeting at 6 o'clock. So the financial reports are at the back. 6 o'clock tonight. 6.30 tonight, sorry. 6.30 tonight. 
uh, we begin our meeting. So we encourage you to be here, uh, 6.30 tonight.